Blessings, everyone. Welcome to the new Just Us Speaks podcast from Just Leadership. I'm your co-host, Lester Young. And I'm your co-host, Hakeem Crampton. Just Us Speaks is being produced to amplify the voices of directly impacted people, particularly the voices of formerly incarcerated people. Just Leadership was founded on the principle that those who are closest to the problem are also closer to solutions, but too often further from the resources and the power to affect positive change. So on this first season of Just Us Speaks podcast, we're interviewing leaders from the most recent 2022 cohort of Just Leadership USA's Leading with Conviction Leadership Training Program. Today, we're talking with Andrew Wynn. Andrew is a husband of Kimberly, a dog dad of Chico and Pepper, an executive director of the Insight Garden Program. The Insight Garden Program offers imprisoned holoculture programs in 10 California prisons and reentry service for those involved in the prison program. Insight Garden Program sites at the intersection of environmental, social, and racial justice, providing access to the natural world for those involved in the criminal legal system. Additionally, Andrew is a graduate of UCLA and holds an alumni board position. He is an avid trail runner, backpacker, hiker, and a natural enthusiast. He co-founded the Underground Scholar Initiative at UCLA and helped expand projects rebound statewide. Andrew, welcome to the Just Us Speaks podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Before we just dive into this, my 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 thing is, is that I'm always intrigued by like gardening, holoculture, and how that actually brings about some form of rehabilitation. Is that therapeutic for the men and women and incarcerated? Like, and not only that, but where did you get this idea? of the Insight Garden program from? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah, absolutely. On the, the first part, which is, you know, access to nature in, in, in a prison is huge, right? Like when I was inside, like getting my hands in the soil and like getting dirty, right? Like, and, and just being a part of something, the growth of something was really just like powerful, right? And and to be, and so my job inside prison last time I was there was, was carpentry right next door, what was the landscaping and mm. I would see the bonsai trade at right there and I would see all these folks getting dirty and I'm like and people really enjoyed it and I'm like I like getting dirty right and I think a part <laughs> of that is like what does eight-year-old Andrew like you know like yeah. what does the six-year-old Andrew like to do and I remember my feet were dirty my hands were dirty that's because I was in the mud outside playing all day and just enjoying life and I think just kind of in, in the same essence is like how do we get like that child back into, mm. into the person? How do we reestablish who we are, you know, when we our humanity has been removed through a criminal legal system that's not always out to support us, mm. right? And so I think that's where I get like a lot of excitement from, you know, offering horticultural therapy and programming mm. inside, inside prisons. Yeah. Um, and then the other part is we have a curriculum that goes along with it. So we don't just show up and garden, right? Yeah, like yeah. you could. But it's, we have a curriculum that goes along with it. And in arc three of our curriculum, we talk about inner gardening. So what, in the first two arcs, we really, you know, establish like the environmental parts of it, build up uh, uh, the skill sets, the vocabularies, the things folks would need to really understand the gardening components. Yeah, yeah. And then we transfer it into an inner gardening, right? And so mm. it, it's being able, like, if you were to tend to yourself in the same way that you're tending to that plant. Oh, wow. Like, how are you taking care of it? 
right? Mm -hmm. How are you creating an ecosystem that provides care for that mm -hmm. man? And then what are you, what is the ecosystem that you're providing care for yourself? Mm -hmm. you know, and then to add, like there, there's things that we, we will have in our, in our curriculum. And I think one of the, like, the things that I gravitate towards is composting, right? Like mm -hmm. we talk about compost and for some of us, we're really into it. And some of us, we're not really into it. But regardless, it's like we understand what it is, is taking organic materials and then reshaping them to do something else to provide more life, right? And so, mm. and so, like, if you, Lester, were to compost parts of your life, what mm. would that look like? What parts of your life would, would that be? Wow. And that's what we bring uh, uh, within our curriculum. Hey, man, I, li I like how you, you make those connections because it brings me back to this book I remember reading many, many years ago while I was incarcerated called As a Man Thinketh, So Is He. And in this book, it would say that your mind is like a garden and your thoughts are the seeds and your action cultivate the seeds, right? So it's very similar to what you're saying is like you, you look at it from that perspective when you see a garden. And I remember also it says that the weeds are your negative thoughts. And you have to remember if you have a positive, positive uh, seed or idea, be just like a gardener, make sure you pull the negative weeds up. You know, you see that connection right there and how it ties in. So I love what you're talking about when it's going into Insight Garden is like, let's look at this not only from the physical perspective, but how do we tie that into our internal being and changing our mindset, which changes the behavior and produce better people. Because if the garden's right, if the, God, the, the soil is right, then guess what? You got good product. I mean, good plants. You got all of these great things in there. So I love that, man. I love the way that you you and your team is approaching that. Like, So my thing is, obviously, I can tell that that's something that gives you a lot of satisfaction, right? You really are fulfilled in that role right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just being able to just to provide this, but also in, in many ways, I'm sitting at the table now, right? Like before... Mm -hmm. I was just subject to people sitting at the table. And so now I have conversations, direct conversations with wardens. I'm like, hey, how can we do this? And before that was never a, a about it, right? And so now like being able to, in many ways, like represent the community, people that I work with, people who've been incarcerated just as I have, other folks who, who are stakeholders within all this, right? Like Mm. They empower me. They entrust me to be able to have these conversations with the warden, with mm. our uh, headquarters for Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. And so there's a lot of reward in that. So I, uh, while I garden and I'm growing broccoli and cauliflower right now <laughs> um, because it's wintertime gardening, right? Mm. Like, yeah, I garden. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm an expert gardener because I, I have expert gardens on staff, right? Like yeah, yeah. These, these, these gardeners that we have on staff, they, they shoot it all day long. They shoot it, right? And they know this. This is in their blood and they do this. Me, I get the opportunity to sit at the negotiation table. I have an opportunity to be able to be like, hey, we need this because of X, Y, and Z. And yeah. so I get fulfilled knowing that is my community who raised me. They're mm -hmm. the ones who, who set me up for success. They're the ones who support me. They're the ones who, who, who take me places and really shape my mind. And yeah. so- when I'm sitting at these negotiation tables, I am able to like bring that together. And there's a lot of fulfillment for me yeah. in that being able yeah. to represent folks who entrust me. That's, that's yeah, powerful. That's powerful, man. Before I go, as, as you was talking about gardening and you was, you mentioned about being six or eight year old, what would the six or eight year old Andrew would be doing? I remember 
moving from Boston, Massachusetts to Hilton Head, South Carolina. And my grandmother, every summer, she had a garden in a backyard, like a big garden growing like okra, all of the necessary things in her garden. And I remember she taught me that, right? And I remember when I got older, man, I started doing that same thing. Like when we moved from where my grandma grandma was staying and we moved to another area in Hilton Head, I started my own little garden. But you know, the sad thing is, I disconnected from that. I disconnected from it. But I even at this age where I'm at now, I still repine to get back into gardening because it was therapeutic for me. But it also just bring me back to those memories of spending time with my grandma. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad you lift that up. That's something I'm going to definitely look at going into this um, this coming year, God willing. Um, when we're talking about having a seat at the table, that brings me to this next question is like, what has been your favorite part of Leading with conviction. You're a grad, recent graduate of the leading conviction, and you know we really speak about the importance of amplifying the voices of those who are directly impacted and being at the table. If you're not at the table, create your own table. So what has been your favorite part of leading with conviction? I touched on it just a little bit ago, but community. Mm-hmm. Being able to be with folks who have shared experiences as I, and understanding what they're, at, at what they're like, right? I mean, yes, I, I'm a straight white man, and I I understand that all the, the, the immense privileges that come with that. And we also know that what's represented within our prison systems in California and, and beyond is not necessarily representative of those who, who are there. And so I think just being able to, to have a community, understand the, the racial backgrounds to, to the problems that we have within our, uh, our criminal legal system. And then being able to amplify that, you know, I feel like there's a responsibility for me mm. that I need to be able to say, hey, liberation work is not it's not just for me, mm. but for all our people. Mm. And we know that there, there's racial implications. We know that there is implications around socioeconomic statuses. We know yeah. that there's all kinds of different intersections that cause people to get locked up. Mm. And so for me, being part of just leadership allowed me to be in community, immersed in that community of people who are not afraid to speak their mind, people who are not afraid to just step up and say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. Mm. And, you know, much of my community was already influenced by just leadership before I became a fellow, right? I I have tons of friends who were fellows prior to to me becoming one. And Mm. so... Being able to sit at these tables, learn from my folks, the people I love, the people I care for, and then be able to also carry their stories with me when mm-hmm. I'm at the negotiation table, when I'm setting up programs, when I'm, you know, doing the things I do with the Insight Garden program, they stick with me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most powerful things I, I feel that just leadership really provides the community, which is the connections with each other. Mm-hmm. We know that this is not strictly a California thing. I'm in Sacramento. It's not strictly a Sacramento thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is something we see nationally, but even globally, right? Yeah. And, and so being able to just be a part of something much bigger than my little world right here and be able to say, hey, no, my friends are experiencing this. What can we do to address it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's what that's the power of just leadership. 
Oh man, thank you for that. I mean, I, I fully agree with you on that. That's that's just the beauty of uh, of the alumni of, of of this organization and being a part of this this beautiful organization. When it comes down to when we say we're really nationally, we have that national reach. You definitely saying I'm here in South Carolina. Hakeem is in Detroit. Deanna's in Ohio. Ronald. It's like it's the beauty, but all of that, man. We have fellows in all of these various states representing not only just leadership but the causes that they're very passionate about. Just Leadership USA amplifies the power of directly impacted people by investing, educating, empowering, and elevating their voices so they have the tools and resources to self-organize and advocate for themselves, their families, and their communities. Together, we build an equitable, fair, and just U.S. To date, over 1,400 leaders in 45 states and in Washington, D.C. are hard at work transforming people and communities who are harmed by mass incarceration. Please partner with us to bend the arc of criminal legal reform by donating to our leadership programs today. Our network of leaders is strong and growing. Together, we're building local power for national impact. Every donation supporting JLUSA and our leaders has a ripple effect across families, communities, and generations. With your support, we can continue working together towards our singular vision of a just, equitable future for all. To learn more, go to jlusa.org backslash give 2023. That's jlusa.org backslash give 2023. What's up, Hakeem? What you got on your mind, brother? Yeah, yeah. I was just curious, you know, Andrew, you know, with the leadership vision that you have and you lead and you you drive with out in the community and the work you're doing is really inside, but it's outside. It's like, you know, juxtaposition, right? But what's your vision of what, you know, leaders like us that have returned home and got these powerful leadership skills and what can we do inside the prison system with these skills that we have? How can we engage them to bring them on board with where we're at? Yeah, I think, you know, big part of it is like is modeling, right? Modeling the way. <laughs> modeling the way, right. It, it really is. You know, I just think about like when I was younger, I mean, I had some models, I had some role models and people I looked to and I started mirroring their behaviors, right? And some of them weren't healthy behaviors, some of them were healthy behaviors. And so in the same sense, as I have a responsibility as somebody who goes inside as a leader in this work to model behaviors that we would want to see in our, in our communities. Like I said, whether it's Sacramento, whether it's national, whether it's globally. And so being able to just say, hey, I respect your opinion and this is where I'm coming from and be able to share that, express it in a kind and gentle way, showing folks a new way of kind of living Right. Understanding like we don't have to be in toxic masculinity. We don't have to perpetuate racial injustice. You know, we don't have to, to sit here and dwell like we can be what we want to be. And, you know, there are vehicles to get you to where you're at. And so being able to go inside and model what it can be like, what life can be like for folks. I can sit up there and I can talk to folks all day and like, you can do this, you can do that, X, Y, and Z, you know, kind of come in really strong. 
But, you know, like people inside prisons, they don't respond to that. Mm. They, they, their own people, they, they're doing their own time. I'm not doing their time for them. Yeah. And so for me to, you know, I can't go in there and be like, this is how you need to change. Like, this is how I'm living. If you want to live like similar, like how I'm living, here's, here's what I've done. And mm. so being able to, to share, share those experiences and to build people up. That's for me, that's what it's about. That's what I bring inside. You know what I was thinking too? Like you, you think about, like you say, that hyper toxic masculinity thing that a lot of men in prison, you know, just like we got to, oh, I got to be tough. I got to be tough in prison. They're showing everybody that I'm the toughest guy on the block. But I always like how when transformation happens, right? When transformation happened, mind going back into the mind being the garden and you change those, you stop pulling up those negative weeds and your mind start growing and blossoming. You'll find this person now humble growing flowers and, and vegetables in the gardens in prison, right? right. You'd be like, and they, and they be paying close attention to it, be showing that that empathy. Like we talk about, you have to have a level of empathy. They showing that by how they care for the plants. That's a beautiful transformation, you know, when you see that. So I look and I see, notice like you have like 10 of these programs now. What's the five-year plan for the Insight Garden? What is that five to 10-year plan that you have with what you're doing right now, being that you already have 10, like what's the goal now? Take over the I world. Mean, the is, you know, uh, the goal is to go deeper inside these, these institutions. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're offering programming, but what if it means to grow healthy foods inside mm. without exploiting labor, right? Like what does it mean to, to get to increase access? We have waiting lists as long as like 200 plus people to get into our program. Mm-hmm. And, my, my goal is to figure out a way to minimize that waiting list as much as possible. So mm-hmm. it's, it's being able to grow healthy foods. Right now, we have an initiative in California called the California Reform Model, where it's replicating some of the things that's being done in Norway. And I'm, I'm right there on the ground floor of trying to implement some of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I have wardens tell me, this is what I experienced inside uh, Norway. Would you be able to replicate something like this? And I'm like, I'm your guy. How do we get there? Right? Like, and so being able to, to know that there are ways that we can do things that's more caring. So going deeper within where we're at, those 10 prisons, there's a lot more work to be done there. The other parts that we have is, you know, I'm looking at getting into re-entry housing. You know, I'm going to give a shout out to the homegirl, Susan Burton of A New Way of Life. You, you know, really, you know, put me on game on understanding what it means to provide reentry housing for women. And that's where we see a huge, huge need for it, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in California. You know, if you if you look at where women's reentry housing is at, it's in metropolitan areas. Right. It's in the San Francisco's, the Oakland, the L.A., the San Diego's, the Sacramento. Right. But California is vastly huge. Mm-hmm. So there's big gaps where people are not getting their needs met. And so we're. We have identified Fresno as being one of those areas that could really use reentry housing for women. Mm. And so where are we going? We're looking at reentry housing for women as kind of our next step in building our reentry program. We're looking at providing mental health services for those who are part of our reentry program. So it's never it's about creating the ecosystem of care where people are being fully taken care of. Now, they may not need the housing. They may not need the mental health services. They may not need the warm handoffs and the, the cell phones and the other things that we're doing for folks. And that's okay. But, you know, like being able to create access to those things for a long time, we didn't have access to those. Mm-hmm. As people who've been incarcerated, 
you know, like going to, to the psychologist wasn't always cool because you knew that they were always going to try to put you on some bogus ass meds. Excuse my <laughs> language. You know, like be able to have real care for people and be able to create that ecosystem. That's what we're about. It's not about the surface level care. It's about going deeper to meet the needs of folks and really finding out who they are yeah. and allowing for like personal exploration in that. And so that's what we're, we're trying to do. It's building our reentry. It's, it's, you know, doing more within our existing 10 prisons. And if we are able to get into more, we'll get into more. You know, of course, I have to pay a living wage to my folks because that's a part of our ethos is paying living wages to the mm. folks who are going in providing the programs, yeah. right? It's not simply just saying, hey, here's $15 an hour, go make it happen, Captain, right? It's going in there and saying, hey, here's a living wage. You have enough money to take care of yourself. Can you go ahead and take care of these folks too? Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's from inside, it's outside, it's all that, right? It's guided by an ethos that's deep inside and not just me, but all of people of the Inside Garden program where we truly care. And so that's, when you talk about where we're going with it, the program, it's how do we care more? Mm, nice, nice. Mm. You know what, Andrew, that, that, that's such a profound therapeutic um, approach. Because as, as we know, you know, incarceration and post-incarceration is very traumatic, right? And so I can imagine those inside that are in your program, it must be therapeutic for them to be able to be involved in this process, to be involved in this program and make the connections to themselves, to their own personal growth and whatnot. But what does Andrew do for his own therapy? Well, you know, how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, great question. So... This job, this work ain't easy, right? We, yeah, like there's a labor component to it, but there's an emotional labor to, uh, component to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are people I really relate with. And so when they're telling me their stories, you know, it's heavy, right? It literally hits right here. And so, you know, on those days where the work is heavier than usual, I will figure out ways to get outside, right? That connection to nature um, is really really healing for me you know in my bio i talk about backpacking trail running hiking i do those things because how else am i going to get rid of some distress sometimes mm -hmm. like you know like i need to go to sleep at night i can sit here thinking about what's happening to the homie inside but at the end of the day i need to be helpful within this i need to take care of myself and, and we'll take care of the homie too mm -hmm. and so like getting out there and just sweating it out on a trail Right. I have a dog. Uh, her name's Pepper and I mentioned it in the bio. Mm -hmm. Right. She keeps me running. She keeps me running. I outrun her, but she keeps me running because I know she needs exercise. Mm -hmm. I'm not fast or nothing, but she's just slow. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like getting out there, exercising, get my mind right. It's almost like a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, being able to focus in, organize my thoughts, exert my body. Right. Like so many times it's it's being able to find balance between the work of the mind and the work of the body. Mm. And, and there's, there's healthiness between those, right? If they're, if they're balanced and I try to figure out that, that balance and that's how I take care of myself. It's just like being outside. Like before I got on this podcast, clear my mind, I went outside and I checked on my broccoli. I checked on my cauliflower, right? <laughs> it's getting, a, it, it's getting that fresh air and, and just, being with nature, actually touching the leaves and, yeah. and just, okay, I'm ready to do this. Right. And so that's how I take care of myself. It's 
stepping outside, knowing I need a break. It's running. It, it, it's all those things. It's really just a lot of connection to nature and, and figuring out who I am as a person yeah. and honoring my inner child. You know, man, I love that because, you know, I, when I saw on your bio hiking and running and all that, so I'm like, yo, that's me. You know, um, like right now, I'm, the weather's not the best. It's constantly raining here in South Carolina. But I'm like, as soon as it clears up, I'm going, I'm going hiking. Like I, I find myself to myself here. Like when when we have calls, I just put my headphones on and go by a lake and just take my laptop. And I just I just be right on a meeting or on my lunch break by water, by in nature, where the trees are, and all of that stuff, because it's very helpful for you. And I think that that's something that we as leaders have to really begin to continue to demonstrate and model that way of what self-care looks like, man. So, you know, my thing, too, is like all of that, like who was that person that inspired Andrew Wynn to to do what you're doing. Like, who's that leader, man, that that before you may have gotten into this work that inspired you to open that window, which is the mind, and begin to dream and imagine creating this program, which is now 10 programs, but you want to do more to add more to it. Who was that leader that inspired you, man? Lucky for me, like there was the former executive director of the Insight Garden Program, Beth. She started this program. Mm. And so I will say this, like, you know, let me go ahead and start with honoring her vision, her work, you know, mm-hmm. laying down the groundwork and allowing for somebody like myself who's been, you know, directly impacted, in, you know, into this work and creating that space. Yeah. But like, who, who have I looked? I mean, there's so many influential folks that really put me into this work that really put me on and each step of the way. I mean, it happened, right? Like, I remember in community college, I was asked to write a paper about a news article. Right? And they're like, now look for these things, you know, code of ethics and all this stuff within that news article. I said, well, there's already a few news articles on me, right? Like I've already been to prison. It's just, let me pull one of these ones out the hat and figure this out. And yeah. so I, I reviewed an article that was written on me. And the professor's feedback was, I'm sorry this happened to you. And... There's more that you can be pulling out from all from your argument. Mm. And so in, in many ways, I, I didn't go deep on, on the stuff that was really on my mind on that article because I was like, I wasn't sure how it was going to land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, and then to just be recognized for that, mm. you know, I'm like, cool. That really like planned to see for my academic inquiries, right? Like, okay. I can go deeper. I can have a stronger voice, a bigger opinion, and mm. be able to just call things out for what they are. And so I think there's that. I think, you know, watching uh, somebody like uh, uh, Danny Murillo talk about, like, things that he was doing now over at uh, UC Berkeley, working with Romarilyn Ralston, with Project Rebound, being able to understand her leadership and what she's doing and why she's doing it and, like, why it's so impactful. Mm. It, it's the Lily Gonzalez, right? It, it's being able to to understand like your communities and honor them, and being able to like understand that to recognize that like our academic inquiries can intersect with our personal lives. Mm. And so I think all these people, and I just mentioned a few, but there's so okay. many others I, I can name them all day. I mean, I get uh, it. W. E. B. Du Bois, you know, reading the Souls of Black Folk is, is one of the things. Uh, that really influenced me. And I would even add uh, Frederick Douglass, you know, how he was able to free the mind before his body became free. Mm. And so just being able to all those, all those people, 
whether it's through books or through through oral uh, communication, like mm-hmm. those were all who influenced me. I was brought up through on, on all those folks through this work. Mm. And that's what really, you know, inspired me to kind of go deeper and, and work harder and find myself within this space. Yeah. Wow, bro. I feel you on that. <laughs> I'm right along with you on that, man. We are so excited to invite you to the Just Leadership USA 9th Annual Benefit Gala, Monday, June 5th, 2023, at PhD Rooftop Lounge at Dream Downtown in New York City. We're excited to bring JLUSA leaders, allies, and advocates together in person to unite around our shared values and propel our vision for the future. During the last year, we've made significant strides in building our capacity and infrastructure to become the only national systems change movement and policy table led by and for directly impacted people. This coming June, please join us for our first in-person celebration in over two years. Learn more at jlusa.org backslash gala. That's jlusa.org backslash G-A-L-A. Yeah, Andrew, you got such a powerful, you know, unique, you know, perspective about, you know, everything really, you know, and how you do your work, you know, and and, and that's crucial to, to to furthering the goals that you seek out. So I was wondering, you know, what what model, you know, of life or leadership, you know, or inspiration do you do you follow or what's your model of life? I mean, like I said, there's lots of folks that I, I that built me up and really gave me a lot of the knowledge that I'm, I'm utilizing today. And I'm really thankful for them. But I think one of the things I really came up on my own with and maybe I did it. Maybe I heard it somewhere and, it, and, and I just can't place it. Baked in the mind. <laughs> right. Right. You know, um, but I've learned that it's never that like the big decisions in life, right? It's a thousand small decisions. It's bending the arc, right? Like how do we live? And when we make our decisions, like where's it coming from? Right. I and mean, then for me, it's like knowing where it comes from and understanding that part hmm. allows me to make build like my confidence in the decision-making process, knowing where it comes from. Hmm. Right. We know that, that we see it every day where, or there are systems of oppressions. And sometimes pe- there are decisions that people make unintentionally that come from those systems of, pre- of oppression. So to be able to understand where, where I'm leading from, yeah, it's a thousand small decisions. It's never the big decisions. Mm. You know, people respect me, at least it, 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 my loved ones respect me because of those thousand decisions, mm. right? It, it's that integrity. It's being able to, you know, make a real intentional uh, uh, effort and to never speak ill about somebody. You know, it, it's those things. And so those are my models, my, my motto or my models um, that, I, that I come from. It's like really understanding where those those are coming from. And then how, how can I go ahead and uh, apply that into uh, my decision making ability? So a thousand small decisions. Mm, I love it. I love it, man. As we wrapping up, I just wanted to just maybe a couple more uh, questions just to really just get a, a better understanding of Andrew 
and so that we can get into the mind. We we know that you are you love gardening. We know that you love leadership. You just graduated from the Just Leadership Leading with Conviction co- uh, cohort. Just wanted now, like, what does leadership mean to you going forward? Like, we we talked about a seat at the table. We talked about you expanding the vision. But what does this leadership mean to you right now? Like going into a new year and beginning this whole new transition in life. What does leadership mean to you now? After completing, went through this program, planning for another year, what does this look like for you? Or what does it mean to you? I mean, it means to me that I have responsibility on my shoulders. Mm. You know, I can't play like, oh, I didn't know this. And, you know, knowing that uh, when I speak, when I do things, I am representing my loved ones. I'm representing the community who built me up. And so what does leadership mean to me means that there's an expectation on me to be the person, the same person behind the scenes as I am on the front stage. Mm, Don't be like a public success and a private failure. Mm. Right. Right. That's a very powerful one, you know, and that's, that's the balance. And that's why I think that that self-care, that pause, don't be a public success but you're a private failure in your marriage, your relationship with your children, your partners, you, you, you destroying that, but you're living up to this image of success, but you're really not. So I love what you said about that, man. And let me add, I always go back to J. Cole's song, Love Yours. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's just that, that part of it. Like, you know, like just love the stuff that's around me. Right. Like I have a great dog. I have a great wife. I have, you know, great people in my life love mine. And mm-hmm. so like that, I can put on a facade and I can have that public life. But deep down, my personal behind the scenes, I got to love mine. Mm. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Love mine. Hakeem, what you got to say about love mine, brother? <laughs> I mean, that's this, you know, that's really what life is all about, love, you know. And, um, you know, one of the beautiful things about leadership is that, you know, we know leadership is about relationship. And, you know, forming a relationship requires love, you know, that's just a reality, you know. So, you know, you've been a phenomenal guest, Andrew, really appreciate it. You know, we really want to give you an opportunity to, you know, conclude out some final thoughts to us all. Final thoughts is at the end of the day, um, I encourage everybody to figure out ways to be kinder and gentler with each other and really center our humanity because we're tied to each other, whether we want to or not. The decisions we make today not only will impact other people, but will impact ourselves later on. And so how do we go ahead and, and find kindness, loving, love, and, and just friendship and camaraderie and just solidarity amongst all of us, mm. right? And, you know, I really want people to, you know, at the end of the day, have real intentionality about being kind with each other because that will get you so much further in life. Mm. And so I want to like, I want to leave uh, the podcast knowing that, that we, we can plant the seed, you know, you hit listening to this on the other side, that, that speaker, you know, I want you to figure out more ways to be kind. When somebody makes you upset, step back and say, how can I be kind in this situation? How can I, you know, hold back these words that I really want to say and create new words that will go ahead and be representative of me, not only today, but 20 years from now, nice. you know, you can find Insight Garden at our web address at insightgardenprogram.org. And there are ways to get involved 
Um, there's a volunteer form on there. There's ways to make gifts. There's swag that you can buy. Let me just say this, it's shameless. But we have incarcerated artists who love Insight Garden so much that they donated their art to Insight Garden. And now we have it on auction and, and folks are able to buy art that was crafted inside. Mm. So there are ways that you can get involved from, from following us on social media. You know, we're on all the major platforms, Insight Garden Program or Insight Garden. You can look us up, but there are ways to get involved. But even just like locally for, for other folks, just know that like there's, a, there's an inner and outer garden right and what are the ecosystems people are doing to take care of themselves mm. and i think care really starts with kindness mm. and i would just want to leave kindness with you all <laughs> we're going to send kindness back to you my brother much kindness to you to your wife to your dogs and to your network much kindness man it has been a phenomenal time spending with you today just talking to you about everything that you're passionate about that's leadership inside gardening and just being kind to people thank you my brother and you have a fantastic day continue to do things that continue to make you a better leader be blessed peace